Well, good morning again. Well, we are jumping back into our series. How many were here last week? And we lived to tell the story. Praise God, right? We had a family service. We had the kids in here. We had balloons and games and uh, lots of crazy stuff. And it was awesome, right? I, I, hope, I hope everybody enjoyed that. Uh, it was just so good to see our children uh, just having a great time to be able to worship together. It was a family service. And so we you know, had the middle opened up here and we were just doing some really, really neat things. Um, how many were part of the petrol parade last week? Yeah, you guys get great. We had, I think, around 30 cars go go through the gas station after service. Um, a local business here in town that's just been needing a little help. We just wanted to do our small part and support, uh, support them. And so we went down to the gas station here and a bunch of people filled up. And so um, I, I love you guys, just so you know. Like, like you guys are awesome. Um, I just, you know, too many churches talk about being, being good and doing things, but I just am so proud of the way that you guys step into the community, that you'd go out and do things. Every Serve Saturday is so humbling to me when we gather here on a Saturday and we, we, you know, we take some time to, to fellowship, to pray, but then we go out and we do. We are the hands and feet of Jesus, amen? And that's what, again, <laughs> as your senior pastor, that's what I want this church to be known for, is we don't just talk, but we, we do. There's action behind our words. And so uh, last, last Sunday was just awesome. It was great to see uh, Dr. Pat. Thanks for being out there. And uh, she was out there doing the count. And she had her stick, you know, and if you didn't fill up, she was knocking out a taillight. And <laughs> so, uh, but it was a great time. It was a good time. So it was really enjoyable. A lot of fun last week. So we are going to jump back into the, our, our Upside Down series today. Uh, we, we've on our, our, our third Beatitude. We're in the Beatitude series and again, understanding the context of, of the series, you know, we, we, we said it's a part, it's the front end really of the Sermon on the Mount. It's over the course of three chapters in the Bible. Uh, the Beatitudes are, are what Jesus begins with. So I think there is some significance to, to how something has begun, right? Jesus could have shared anything. He could have started anywhere. And he chose to start on these Beatitudes. And so we're going to take continue to take a look at each one of these uh, in the weeks ahead, one at a time. And it's, it's uh, hopefully going to be a blessing. I hope you've been blessed already with the first two. And so today we're going to be talking about blessed are the meek. How many, you know, go to, you know, well, it used to be Barnes and Noble or whatever, go to the bookstore, go online. And, you know, how do you think that that category of books does in, in the world today? You know, it's like, man, you know, I think I, I really need to work on my meekness, right? I need to be more meek in this world. I need to check that out. Um, I, I, you know, your chuckle is exactly, that's what I'm getting at. It's, it's not really something we think about. It's not something we, we really probably strive for, is it? But here it is, number three on the, the, the list of Beatitudes, if you will, about blessed are the meek. And uh, the, the whole idea, as I shared a couple weeks ago about this, this idea of being upside down, that's kind of the kingdom of God, isn't it? You know, there's, there's all of these things listed, you know, throughout the scripture that, you know, we gain by losing, we live by dying, we rise up by bowing down, we win by losing, we live by dying. To be first, we are last, and we grow by giving. You know, all of these things that we look at, it's just, it, it doesn't make sense by the world's standards, does it? It's the opposite of what the world uh, tells us all the time. And so, again, we have to look and approach this with an understanding that we are part of a kingdom that is not of this world. We, we function and operate. It did not make sense for a group of people. Now, maybe, maybe if you're really nice and really kind, you go down and you spend your money at a gas station down here in, in town. But 
for us to take the time after a service on a Sunday when we could go do other things, maybe want to be with our families and stuff, but for us to take time and do that, or when we go out on a serve Saturday, how many were there last time with the demo day, right? Yep. And how fun was that? You know, being in it, was it a basement or was it upstairs? Yeah, you guys are knocking down and it's not pleasant. There's probably even some mold and stuff like that. What drives that? What, what sense does that make? And again, at best, you know, some people in the world may do things kind, to be kind or to be nice, but see, we, we operate by a different standard, don't we? You know, we, we, we serve because we were, we were served and we, we give because we want to continue to become more like Christ. We want to grow and become more like Jesus. Amen? I mean, he gave his life, so I don't know that we're going to top that. But, you know, he gave his life, and so that's, that's why we, we mirror him. And we, we've talked about each week, too, and I'm just going to touch briefly. And here's a pop quiz for you. What is the Greek term for blessed? Anybody? Hmm? <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Just, just, yeah, it's okay. It's Makarios, okay? Makarios. I have it in my notes here, so. <laughs> Makarios. And so we'll, we'll practice that every week. And so by the end, you'll at least be able to, you know, be out to eat with somebody and you can just bust that term out and say, hey, you know, wow, this meal really made me feel Makarios. You're like, what do you mean? Well, hey, check out, our, you know, the sermons online. You can find out more about it. Um, so it comes from the Greek word makarios, and, and it means happy, but not in the sense, as we've talked about. It's not in the sense of, of what we know happy to be, because it's not dictated by external things, right? Maybe hopefully some of this is ringing a bell. We've touched it a few times. But instead, it's, it's this, regardless of the situation we find ourselves, and it goes along almost with that term, that joy that we talk about that we have, right? We are blessed. Regardless of, of what the situation dictates, it doesn't, we're not blessed as a result of that. We are blessed of whom we serve and who we belong to. And so we are blessed regardless. So we see all of these in, in Matthew chapter 5, and we're going to go ahead and go through all of them again today just to brush up on, on all of the Beatitudes um, and just read through. So uh, Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. Again, this is the start of the Sermon on the Mount. This is Jesus speaking to a crowd of people. A lot of them are his disciples, followers uh, that were uh, following him throughout the region. And so it begins in verse 1. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Or sorry, kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you once again, Lord, for your presence here. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that it is not just, uh, just another book that we read, but God, that your word is living, it is active, Father God. And so, Lord, we just invite you, Lord, to, to speak to our hearts today through this time. And God, may uh, this message, Lord God, just, just help us to, to recognize areas in our life where growth is needed. Um, and God, where we need to repent, I pray we would be quick to. And so, God, we thank you, Lord, for speaking to us during this time. In Jesus' name, amen. 
So we talk often here when I, when I preach a message, I always talk about context, right? We want to be good uh, stewards of the Word of God, and that requires us to understand the context that, that, that statements are made. Uh, maybe we've heard things before where, you know, somebody has shared something out of context. Anybody had that experience before where you, you've had that happen? And so I want to share today uh, nine scriptures that people might take out of context and, and, and just kind of show you maybe where, where they might go. Um, the first one is from uh, Jeremiah 4.19. And it's, it's when you need to go to the bathroom. It says, my bowels, my bowels, I am pained at my very heart. My heart maketh a noise in me. I cannot hold my peace because thou hast heard, O my soul, the sound of the trumpet, the alarm of war. <laughs> now, to say that's out of context, I think would be probably an understatement, correct? Yeah? But you could see where somebody might get off, off, off track a little bit there. Um, number two, when your kids ask how long they have to do yard work, all right, Isaiah 6:11, until the cities be wasted without inhabitant, and the houses without man, and the land be utterly desolate. <laughs> Let me know how that goes for you. Um, how about this? When your spouse is fishing for a compliment, Song of Solomon 4.1, Behold, thou art fair, my love. Behold, thou art fair. Thou hast dove's eyes within thy locks. Thy hair is as a flock of goats that appear from Mount Gilead. Yeah? How about this? Whenever your son is scared to squash a spider, Job 38.3, Gird up now thy loins like a man. Yeah? We probably all need to hear that from time to time. How about this one? When you want to show your kids, oh wait, sorry. Do we have kids in here? Like little kids? I don't want to ruin anybody's day. Some kids, okay, I'm going to skip that because I just don't know. I don't want to get in trouble. If you want to know that one, see me after service. It's about Santa Claus. So um, when your kids, how about this? When your kids keep rattling off excuses, all right? Parents, get your pens out. Job 16.3. <laughs> Will your long-winded speeches never end? What ails you that you keep on arguing? All right. Number seven, when your husband is just digging himself into a hole, I know that applies to no men in here. Uh, Job 13, five, oh, that ye would altogether hold your peace and it should be your wisdom. Hmm? You could probably learn from that one. Number eight, when you want the final word, Job 27.5, I will never admit you are in the right till I die. Okay, And the last one, after your wife sends you to the doghouse, Proverbs 21, 19. Come for it. Okay, I got eye contact back there. It is better to dwell in the wilderness than with a contentious and angry woman. Amen? Yeah. So, yeah, exactly. It's... This, the scripture does apply to all situations, doesn't it? Now, again, we all kind of know, and I think we're kind of getting to the point that those verses are kind of taken a little bit out of context, we would say. And so context is important. And so when we, when we look at the, these Beatitudes, and we're going to look at each one individually each week, that's, that's what we're doing, and we're on number three today. We need to do so with the understanding, though, that this isn't just a standalone verse. This isn't just a standalone thing, but it's in the context of what is being said. And so, you know, looking what's before, look what comes after. And so remember that there was two Beatitudes that came before. And if you missed any of those, you, know, you can go online and check out those sermons. And we really unpacked those two leading up to this point to number three, which today we are looking at blessed are the meek for they shall inherit 
the earth. Now, as uh, I prepared for this message, and, and I've, I've preached on, on, on this topic before, not here, but uh, before I, I came to this church, and, and even, you know, when I was just as a young Christian growing up, uh, I, I came across this, this word meek in the Bible, and across this beatitude, and I remember reading, you know, this footnotes, like what they would say in, the, in my, my study Bible, and here are some things that I, I was thinking about saying today, I was going to say today, but as I studied, I, I don't know that I can say it. And, and, and I'm going to say it anyway, but uh, this is what I was going to say, and this is what some notes say, and, and then I'm going to unpack this. If you're a little confused, it's okay. It's where you're supposed to be right now. But what I was going to say today is that, that meekness is not a lack of power. You know, when you start to study, you know, and you study this word, and you're going to read footnotes, and, and you're going to see that that's one of the things. Uh, another thing that it says is, and this is the one that was in my study Bible, uh, and it was such, it was very it was really important to me. It said that meekness is not weakness, but power under perfect control. And I wouldn't disagree with that, but I'm going to disagree with it a little bit, and I'll explain why in just a moment. Another one is that you only need to tell a person who has power and ability to inflict harm to be gentle or to be meek. And the last one that I was going to say but not going to say today is the meek are not simply submissive because they lack the resources to be anything else. Now, my point is I, I disagree in part with this, and you're probably like, Pastor Doug, what do you mean? What's, what? And I, I, I don't want to say I would throw all that out, but, but again, remember that these beatitudes are, are not being laid out separately but together. And so it's important to stay aware of what else has been set up to this point, right? This is the, the third beatitude. And, you know, while sermons are given, you know, you can take this sermon, I, I, I say one line at a time, so to speak, and as we've talked about context, you could take any line out of the sermon and, and misapply it somewhere else. And, but, and so we don't want to do that here today. And so, you know, if you recall the first two Beatitudes that we've covered, you know, the responses uh, of the kingdom of heaven and comfort come to the disciple who displays complete humility. Okay? It's, it's, it's being humble enough to accept, you know, if we look back and the first two are, you know, blessed are the poor and blessed are those who mourn. And as we unpack those, we discovered that, again, you know, that they didn't mean exactly what, what they appeared to mean. It didn't mean about physical, worldly things. It meant more spiritual things. And so that first beatitude we touched, you know, it's, it's, it's we who, th who think that we were rich or we are rich have failed to recognize that we have nothing of value that can save us. That's what the poor was talking about. Being poor is recognizing we don't have anything to offer God, Right? That's a value. When we realize that we are poor in spirit, then we receive the kingdom of heaven. Right? Does that ring some bells? You guys, yeah? North, south? So we remember that, right? As poor in spirit. The second one is, is, you know, we who say we are happy and living the good life now have failed to recognize that we are full of sin for which we should express deep sorrow and deep regret. And that was the last beatitude we covered because when we recognize our sin, that is when we mourn, and then we receive comfort. So these two first beatitudes, again, it's it's this it's this recognition of recognizing who we are, and we don't have anything to offer. The only thing we do have is sin, and so we should we should have sorrow, and and you know we should be poor in this in spirit in that sense, and we should also recognize that um, sorry that that we. We, we need to mourn over the sin in our lives. And so those two lead us up to the third. And so if the first two both deal with our recognizing that we are in a depraved state, that we can't save ourselves, 
Wouldn't it be safe to say that this next one would be along the same lines? Everything that Jesus has said to this point is, is speaking of spiritual things, a, a kingdom that we cannot see. And, and so recognizing we have nothing to offer God but our broken lives. And so the reason I disagree somewhat with all those statements that I said I wasn't going to say today is that, is that because of these uh, three Beatitudes, meekness you know, is this idea of power being under control. Well, that's, that's assuming that we have some sort of power. <laughs> and so what, the reason I struggle with this is, is we don't have power to save ourselves, do we? And if you do not have power to change something or to do something, then I don't know that it's, it's fair in one sense to call it power, is it? No more than to say that, you know, that it, it, you're rich because you own a bunch of things. Well, if you own a bunch of things here on earth, but you don't have Jesus Christ, are you really rich? And so we don't really have power. And, and that's, that's my point is the power that we think we have. We who think that we have power to establish our earthly kingdom have failed to recognize that the things that matter have an eternal weight and cannot be possessed by force. So when we recognize that we possess no real power outside of Christ, then we have become meek. And so blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Does that make sense? You see, it's, it's not talking about yeah, you know, there are things that I can force myself, I can force myself to, to take or to do. I can, I can overpower somebody who is a weaker individual strength-wise. But this, that's all physical. That's all in this world, in, in this time right now, this day and age. This is not talking about spiritual things. Because when we move into the things that are eternal, we move into the things that are spiritual, our power only comes from one place, one source, doesn't it? And it's not found here in ourselves. It's found in Christ and Christ alone. That's where our power comes from. That's our source of power. And so, again, that's why I believe that, you know, there were many examples, like when you're studying meekness, they always talk about like a, a wild stallion, right? The power that that horse has, but it's untamed. And that once it's tamed, then that's kind of the parallel to meekness. And again, I'm not gonna, that, that's a good analogy and it has truth to it. Because the power is still there, but it's, it's, it's aligned and it's in the right way. It's, it's under control. But again, I, I think that, that Jesus is getting to something much deeper, getting to something spiritual. And all three, I believe, of these first three Beatitudes are talking about an emptying of ourselves, recognizing we don't have what we think we have. So let's look at this for a minute. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And this is, I want to look at three of these terms that are in this. We've, we've talked about this word blessed, um, and, and that's in the first sermon. If you, if you go back and listen to that, if you haven't, uh, I really take time to unpack that word blessed or blessed. Um, I'd encourage you to do that. So I want to look at three other terms in this statement. The meek, uh, the inherit, and earth, okay? So this word meek, this word meek, it really, it comes down to meaning friendly and pleasant. Okay, friendly and pleasant. Anybody meek in this place? Anybody friendly and pleasant all the time? Um, you know, that's, that's really what, it, what it's getting to. You know, to be meek toward others implies freedom from malice and a vengeful spirit. And again, I don't think this, this really is like number one on the bestseller list, you know, when we're talking about meekness. It just, you know, everything in our culture is, is you know, you know, picking yourself up and being strong and, you know, if you want it, you'll get it, right? 
But really, meekness, I think, is, is something is different than that. And, and really, I, I, I tend to use this phrase, to be meek is really to be Christ-like, isn't it? To be Christ-like. Now, check this out. Don't forget, Jesus, when he rolls up into the temple, right? He didn't sin, but he starts flipping tables, <laughs> right? I can't think of the last time when I saw somebody get so angry with somebody. Imagine, you just stay right there for a second, because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get this piece of leather. I'm going to make myself a whip. I'm about to use it on you, just, but don't go anywhere. It says he made, he, 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 he put together a, a, a cat of nine tails, and so he's flipping tables, and he's, he's slinging this whip around, almost like I spat right there, and that went out of my mouth, all right? It was just slinging, and... And, but we see this, and he was angry, he was upset, but he did not sin. And he's meek. <laughs> so, you know, in the sense that meekness is not weakness, that is true, but our, our strength comes through Jesus Christ. To be like Christ is not being weak. And frankly, if I want to get on a soapbox, I would stand on this if I didn't think it would collapse. But listen, Jesus was not weak. I, I don't like when I see like pictures or portrayals of him as this frail man, you know, with just with long blowing hair and just oh. Jesus, he was a carpenter's son, right? He flipped tables when he got upset. And and again, understanding, you know, that, that meekness is not weakness, but it's 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 strength through Jesus Christ. And so to be Christ-like is not to be weak, but we can be meek and be like Jesus. Amen. Amen. The second uh, term there I want us to look at is this word inherit. And this should be very familiar to most of us. You know, to receive an inheritance. Uh, you know, to inherit something. You know, it may be a million dollars. It may be a pet parakeet, right? The, the thing you really didn't want, but you, you get. Um, you know, when, when somebody uh, passes away, either... Um, you're either a family member or maybe you're in the will. And so you inherit something. And we're all, like I said, pretty familiar with that. But the thing about inheritance is there's nothing that you can do to inherit something. Right? You either are, like I said, part of the family or you're in the will, right? I, you know, if someone, some billionaire passed away, somewhere in the area, and I decided to roll up the next day. You know, the family's all sitting around talking about how, they're, how this is going to be divvied up and stuff. And imagine, you know, you just like stroll in and sit down with the family, and everybody's kind of like looking at you like, who, who are you? <laughs> well, I'm here for my inheritance. It's like, are you like a distant relative, uh, you know, long-lost relative, or are you in the will? And pretty much it wouldn't take very long. I think we all would agree that they would discover that you have no place to be there and you would probably be escorted out very quickly, right? You can't do anything to gain an inheritance. Whether or not someone inherits something is, is solely based off the original owner and their decision. Now, hopefully the lights are going to start going on here in a minute. Whoever owns the inheritance is the one that determines where it goes to and who it goes to. To receive, and this is what inherit means, it means to receive at the death of the previous owner. It is through Jesus' death that we inherit everything, including eternal life. His death on the cross 
paved the way for our inheritance. Could we have done anything to receive that in any other way? No. Did we do anything to deserve that? No. It was Jesus to give. It was his, he had the authority. It was his power that has bestowed this onto us because he is good and he's gracious and he's loving and he's kind. His, his inheritance was passed to us. 2 Corinthians 6, verses 8 through 10. It says, We are treated as impostors. This is the Apostle Paul writing. And yet are true as unknown and yet well known as dying and behold we live. Remember this whole upside down kingdom thing. You're kind of hearing it like kind of played out here. And behold we live as punished and yet not killed. As sorrowful yet always rejoicing. As poor yet making many rich. Listen to this. As having nothing, yet possessing everything. You see, a lot of us, not, not a lot of us, most of us in this room are rich and we don't even realize it. If you have Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior in your life, you are richer than any person on earth. I mean, what would you say standing before God like, yeah, you know, relationship with Jesus, that's great, but, but I, it really would have been nice if, if I could have had this too. <laughs> like, what do you add above that? But are you living in a way that reflects <laughs> the inheritance that you've received? Are we living in a way that, you know what? I have everything I need because I have Jesus. You want to move to the next term? Yeah, let's do that. You guys look sad right now. <laughs> We're going to keep moving. But we need to be challenged, don't we? We need to stop and think about these things. How, how are we living today? And are we grateful? Are we living like we have received the greatest gift ever given? The last term I want to touch on is, is the word earth. And this can mean, in the Old Testament, it, it usually means the promised land, you know. Or in the, the, the New Testament, it, it talks about like the new earth, right? Not necessarily the earth here. Earth, earth can mean this place that we're on now. But this is, in this context, this is what it's talking about. So the promised land of the Old Testament ultimately became a pointer towards entrance into the new heaven and the new earth. It was to help us understand that principle that, that there's a, a new earth that's coming. And so, you know, when we read uh, this phrase now, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth, this earth is, is passing away, right? So I don't know about you, but it's not really an inheritance I want. And those that don't come to Christ, this is the inheritance. It's, it's just, it's, it's withering away. Ours is, is the new earth. It's, it's the future with Christ Jesus. And so... I want us to just uh, spend a few moments here, just, and I want to look at probably who do you think is the best example for us to look at of all time? It's the letter C, right? Jesus. It's every time. That's who we want to look at, right? So let's take a moment. I want to look at Jesus' life here. And Jesus gives us an example uh, from the Psalms when, when he, he's doing the Beatitudes. And, and most of the time when he would speak, when he would teach, he was oftentimes, and, and I don't even think we realize it all the time, but the, his crowd and his followers at that time would have understood it. He's, I don't want to give a percentage, but 80, 90% of the time, he's pulling from the Old Testament. 
right? Why is he doing that? Because these are, a lot of these people are Jews, and they would be very familiar with all of those scriptures because they would have learned them as children. And so now what he's doing is he's saying, look, I'm the fulfillment. All these things that you know, this is the fulfillment of, of all those things, and this is how. And so Jesus is pulling from Psalm 37. Listen to verses 9 through 11, what it says. It says, for the evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall what? Inherit the land, right? Let's continue in verse 10. In just a little while, the wicked will be no more. Though you look carefully at his place, he will not be there. Here comes verse 11. So sound familiar. But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. Yeah. See, Jesus is pulling. This, this is not new in the sense of they never heard it, but they never seen it in the way that he's now laying it out. He's like, I'm standing in front of you. <laughs> I'm the one. Why do you think Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, right? It's because all of this comes with Jesus Christ. Jesus often, again, would teach from the Old Testament. Jesus, he lived as our ultimate example in Matthew eleven twenty nine. This is Jesus talking. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. What do you think that would translate to? Meek. I'm meek. And I love that. And you will find rest for your souls. Somebody needs to hear that message today. <laughs> all the stuff going on in the world today, and, and it's easy to kind of get all just sort of, everything's just boiling and brewing inside of here, isn't it? But when we put our eyes on Jesus Christ and we recognize who he is and what we have in him, we find rest for our souls. Doesn't that sound good? I mean, I don't know about you, I'm, just, I'm preaching to myself right now. I, I, I just, I need to hear that today. I need rest in my soul. I want, when I lay my head on my pillow at night, I just want to go to sleep and be at peace. And I don't want to be worried. It doesn't mean we're oblivious to what's going on. We need to, we're in the world, you know, we're just not of it. We need to be engaged, but we can do so in a way that, that we still have peace in our hearts. And if you don't have peace in your heart, then you probably need to spend less time on FaceTime or Facebook and everything else that's out there, TikTok and whatever else, and get into here. Jesus is our ultimate example. And, and Jesus also, he desires all to follow his example. And I'm going to share, I want to share just, uh, we're going to spend the, the rest of our time here today um, just going through a, a passage and, a, and a, probably a very familiar for most of us story um, that I, I want us to look at. And it's going to kind of bring all of this stuff sort of together, I think, for us really well. And that's uh, the story of the, the rich young ruler when he comes to Jesus. And so if you have your Bibles, I'm going to... Um, uh, it's, it's found in a couple places in the Gospels. We're going to go to Mark chapter 10. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there to chapter 10. I'm going to hop over to the New Living Translation uh, today with this one. I just like the way it really impacts it really nicely. Um, and we're going to begin in, in verse 17. As Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, all right, so Jesus is starting, you know, he's, they're, they're beginning this journey to Jerusalem. It says, a man came running up to him. All right, so just get this. You know, sometimes we can read the words, but we don't really stop and think of the picture. So you got this picture of Jesus, his disciples, they're moving along. And all of a sudden, here comes this dude from, you know, far away, just like running out of nowhere. You know, Jesus, Jesus, wait up. And he comes up and he, he runs up to Jesus. And what does he do? It says, he knelt down and asked, good teacher, what must I do to inherit, there's that word, inherit eternal life? 
All right? So Jesus is trying to get on his way. You know, doesn't want to get stuck in traffic. And here's this guy dropped down to his knees in front of him, holding him up, asking this question, what can I do? What must I do to inherit eternal life? And so notice verse 18. He says, Jesus, I, I, <laughs> I love the way, I don't know if you guys pick up on this when you read this. I hope you do. It's just, it's interesting to watch how Jesus responds to people, right? And so he says, first words, why do you call me good? Jesus asked. And he says, good teacher, right? He said, why, why do you call me good? <laughs> Jesus asked. And he says, only God is truly good, right? He's kind of like trying to like, stay. God, it's God, God, right here. He's like, only God is truly good. You know, he's trying to get this point across. And he says, but to answer your question, so he goes on, he kind of, you know, he has his little chuckle probably inside, and he goes on, he says, but, but to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. And again, you know, here's, here's the rich young ruler with his little checklist, and he's like, okay, let's see what we got here. I never killed anybody, right? Uh, I've not committed adultery. You must not steal, check. You must not testify falsely, all right, check. You must not cheat anyone, okay, check. I did, you know, I haven't done that. Honor your father and mother, mother, got that, right? So he's like got his stellar report card, right? He's, he's been tested and found that he passes, right? And then he says, teacher, the man replied, I've obeyed all these commands, commandments since I was young, right? So we know right there, he's a little skewed, yeah? I mean, no one's going to keep all of these commandments, you know, in the heart and everything else. But, you know, he still thinks, hey, I'm, I got a passing grade. And, you know, since he was young, and then I love this. Look at Jesus' response. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. Isn't that good? That, you know, here, here he is, this, this guy, he's like, this guy's completely missing it. But I have this deep love and compassion for this, this person that's standing in front of me. And I don't want to go down a, a rabbit trail, but, you know, I think that alone we could just chew on. And how do we respond to people when they see things maybe differently or they're not getting it? Do we see, and do we see them with compassion? Do we look at them with love and patience? I know you all do. So let's go on. All right. So he felt genuine love for him. And so Jesus says, there is still one thing you haven't done, he told him. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Sound familiar, right? Beatitudes, right? We're starting to kind of pull some of these things in. He says, go sell all you have and you will have treasure in heaven and then follow me. Come follow me. Verse 22, and at this the man's face fell, and he went away sad, for he had many possessions. Now let's just pause here and unpack some things for a minute. Because again, we initially we see that, that this man came to Jesus, and he knelt down, and he called him good teacher, right? So there's a reverence. There's an understanding that this man had that Jesus is somebody special. I'm kneeling. I'm calling him good teacher, Right? And Jesus replied, as we, we touched on, why, why do you call me good? Only God is good. And notice what happened. I don't know if we can put verse 20 back up there. Can back up one slide? Notice verse 20. What does it start out with? Where'd the good go? He said, only God is good. And the guy's like, well, you must not be God, so I'll just drop the good. <laughs> 
So understand this man, this, this young ruler is standing before God himself. He didn't recognize that God himself was telling him that if he abandoned everything he had, which was really nothing in relation to all eternity, he would gain everything. But he couldn't see that he was standing before God himself and, and, the, and the man Jesus Christ. And I believe he mourned here, not, not over his sin, which he should have done. That's what we learned in the Beatitudes, that we mourn over our sin. But instead, he mourned because he couldn't part with his possessions. The things he thought he had now had him. And as, as we, we, we as Americans in this room, you know, I'm sure all of us or most of us are Americans, we live in such a... a a place where we have so much stuff, don't we? <laughs> we have so much stuff. And, you know, I've, I've, I've met many people that, you know, are very well off. They have lots of stuff, if you will. And I've met people that, you know, they, they tell me, they're like, you know what? I don't need any of this. I've had things. I haven't had things. And I've seen where people just hold things loose, right? They're like, I could walk away from all this today. There's nothing wrong with having things, but it's when those things start to have us that the problem comes in. Let me just, let me just say it this way. If there's anything in your life, stuff or anything, relationship, if there's anything in your life that you cannot walk away from for Jesus, you're in a bad place. It says God is jealous, Right? I think oftentimes we think idols as, as you know, the little, you know, little, a little figurine on a shelf or something like that. It's not that. No, it's, it's the stuff that comes in and takes place and precedence so that if Jesus came into your world and he spoke through his scripture or something else or put on your heart, I need to go do this or I need to do that. I need to walk away from this. And you can't. You now have a God that's above Jesus Christ because you're serving something else. And it's preventing you from serving the one who gave you eternal life. And so here's this rich young ruler walks away completely shattered and because he couldn't, he couldn't leave his things. And it says, Jesus looked around and said, in verse 23 there, Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? And this amazed them. But Jesus said again, dear children, I want you to remember that phrase, dear children, it is very hard to enter the kingdom of God. In fact, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were astounded. Then who in the world can be saved, they asked. And Jesus looked at them intently and said, humanly speaking, it is impossible, but not with God. Everything is possible with God. Amen. Then Peter began to speak up. We've given up everything to follow you, he said. And said, Jesus said, yes. And I assure you that everyone who has given up, and again, here we come back. Remember, coming back to the, the Beatitudes, that's where we are. Everyone who has given up house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or property for my sake and for the good news, listen to this, will receive now... In return, a hundred times as many houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and property. Now. And then he adds a cherry on top, right? With persecution. 
That's a hard, it's a hard phrase there. It's a hard, a hard sentence, a hard line. And if I can give you my Dell trans, translation, <laughs> it's worth it. You will, you will receive everything and some persecution, but in light of all eternity, it's, this life is but a, a vapor, but a breath. And Jesus is saying this in full, full understanding, I'm sure, at this point, knowing where his destination on earth is going to end up and take him. And so he's, he's promising this, and it goes on and says, and here it is, in the world to come, remember we talked about, again, this whole thing about the promised land, about the new earth, right? In the world to come, that person will have eternal life, but many who are the greatest now, here we go, now will be the least important. Then in those who seem least important, those who are meek, if I can be so bold, now will be greatest then. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. You know, one of the, the ways I think about meekness is I, I think about a small, a little child. You know, we've got a few of them floating around here. And, you know, there's something about, you know, how, how a child is. You know, they, they, when they're now, again, they come up a certain age and they find some other things, right? That, that little Adam sin seed that's in us, you know, just starts coming out and they want to try to do their own thing. But when they're really young, they, they, they look at us as parents and they're just like, wow, you guys are, you're fascinating, you know? Like, I walk into the room right now with Levi, my son, and, you know, he just, like, rolls over, sees me, he's like, nah, he just, like, loves to see me, right? His little chubby legs start moving and stuff. He gets all excited, you know, because he's just like, wow, this is amazing, this powerful person just walked in, my dad, you know, and as he grows up, and they, they, they look at us, and they, 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 they trust us, they, they, there's, this, there's this meekness to them, this humbleness, because they recognize that they aren't powerful. <laughs> you know, when, it, when a child is like this, and you're like this, they just, they're like, well, you are, you know, a monstrosity of a person. You're a huge individual. You're the stronger vessel here. And so this idea of being, you know, meek like a child. And when I talked about earlier, and I told you to remember that, when he talked to his disciples, and he says, dear children, right? Very interesting that when he says this, dear children, to the disciples, it is very hard to enter the kingdom of God. Just before this account of the rich young ruler, I want you to see what happens. We're going to back up just a couple verses, and we're going to bring it again. We're going to bring it all home here. In, in that same chapter of Mark, chapter 10, verse, and beginning in verse 13, listen to this. One day, some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could touch and bless them. But the disciples scolded the parents for bothering him. <laughs> right? The disciples thinking they're doing the right thing. Get all these kids out of here. This, this person, Jesus is too important for all this. You need to move them along. Right? And Jesus saw what was happening and he was what? Angry. But he didn't sin. But he was angry. Again, Jesus is meek. But here we see him. He's upset with his disciples. And he said to them, let the children come to me. <laughs> Don't stop them for, and again, here comes some language that should sound familiar, the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. What does he mean? That they're supposed to be like two feet tall? No, right? How these children are trying to come to Jesus. 
Verse 15, I tell you the truth, anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. Then he took the children in his arms and placed his hands on their heads and blessed them. This, this phrase, like a child. The deal is this, with a child, they, they buy whatever you sell them, right? I don't know how many of you, maybe you didn't do it, I did it all the time. Well, a few times maybe. You know, it was always fun when my, when my sons had a dime, you know, and you offer them like a nickel. Like, it's bigger. Why wouldn't you want this trade, you know? So they give you that. I mean, you can, you can, you can I don't want to say sell them anything, but you understand what I'm getting at, right? When a child is young, and they should be. They're, you know, we say that they're naive, but they, they trust you. They're, they're, again, in their meekness. They're looking to you, and they'll, they'll, they'll buy it hook, line, and sinker. They trust blindly. They simply obey. Ideally. I'm not saying when they get a little older. <laughs> when they're young, when they're really young, <laughs> in those few brief seconds when they're born, they obey. <laughs> Sleep. <laughs> yes, you are correct. But when they're really young, they just obey. They do it. Why? Because they trust you. And they, they, they believe that you want the best for them. They have nothing to offer, nor do they pretend to when they're children, because they're like, I can't. That, you know, again, you are my parent. You are the, the adult here. And this is what Jesus is responding to. And so, you know, Jesus, again, he's bringing all this to, to light because he's saying, this is why he calls his disciples dear children. Dear meek ones who have chosen to follow me, who have left everything for my sake. That's why he's calling them children. That you may be walking in meekness. And again, <laughs> we go out into our culture today and you'd be hard-pressed to find a book in its entirety written on the topic of meekness. Right? Strength, power, and again, there's, there's a place for this, but, but again, it's not the strength that the world offers. Meekness does not portray like this image of just a feather kind of being blown around, you know. Is that what you see when you see Jesus? <laughs> Jesus was always on mission. Jesus was on purpose. Jesus, you know, he knew who he was. And he confronted sin. He confronted uh, demonic activity in, in, in people. Yet he was meek. And so, again, our challenge today is to be meek, to be Christ-like. And as we prepare to wrap up our time here, I know the burning question in each of your minds today, how do I become meek? How do I become more meek? I'm glad you asked. In Psalm 25, verse 9, it says, He leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his ways. If we want to learn to be more like Christ, we have to come to a place to understand that we do not know it all. And some people in this room need to hear that, and maybe online. I need to hear it. We don't know it all. 
And we need to experience and understand humility, especially when it comes to, to the things of Jesus and to the things of the Word of God, that we don't know it all. We have to, to give space and give room for Jesus to teach us. You know why? Because Jesus, just like he saw that man that, that didn't recognize who he was, he, he sees us and he, he looks at us with love and compassion. And he's saying today, he's like, you know what? You don't quite get it yet, but I'm still here and I'm gonna be patient with you. And I'm gonna help to bring you into that place of understanding. There's so much that we don't know, that we don't understand, whether it's in this world or, or, or what's to come. But Jesus wants to show us and he wants to reveal it to us if we will humble ourselves and allow that. James 1, verse 21, it says, Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. And this is what I was really trying to even hit on like when I was mentioning the men's conference and what I spoke there about men with, with lust. That's, that's just one thing. All of us have something. If we allow any sin in our life to continue unchecked, if we allow anything to continue that we know isn't right and we're not dealing with it. You know, we look at this and, and we're being told in James, put it away. Put away the filthiness, the junk, the garbage. Why? Because God, Jesus is coming back for his bride, for the church, and it's gonna be without spot or wrinkle, it says. That means he's coming back for his church to be that is pure and holy. But sadly, the church is walking around, the bride of Christ is walking around with a limp today because we refuse to, to acknowledge the sin that's, that's allowed to remain in our lives. What would happen what would happen if, if just, just this church, this, this small little body right here of, of Christ, this, this small church and those watching online, what would happen if we put as a priority to, to, to get rid of sin out of our lives, to address it, to start holding one another accountable, to start saying, you know what? I'm messing up here, I need this. And again, it doesn't mean you're, you're, you're not gonna make mistakes. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when we choose to do that same sin over and over and over and over and over and convince ourselves it's not hurting anyone. Guess what? It's hurting you. Guess what? You're a part of this body. So guess what? It's hurting the body of Christ here. And guess what? If it's hurting the body of Christ here, it's hurting the church as a whole in all the world. Why? Because God cannot accomplish his mission in a church and through a bride that chooses and I'm gonna say this, to, to whore around with the world. That's what it becomes. And so I wanna challenge us today, church, I wanna challenge myself today as well to, to, sit, to stop making excuses, to stop messing around, and to step up to the plate and to say, you know what? We're gonna do things the way the Bible says. We're gonna do things the way that God has laid out and we're gonna get rid of sin in our world, in our lives, in this church, in, in our mess, and get this out of here. And we're gonna be a church that truly is without spot or wrinkle. <laughs> and again, it doesn't mean mistake free, but it means that we're gonna address where sin is lying and allowed to continue. Blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. And so my final translation of that passage, that one sentence is this, so blessed, blessed being joy no matter what are the meek who are, who are the meek, the pleasant, those who are Christ-like, for they shall inherit 
What does that mean? Receive from the previous owner the earth, the new earth, life eternal, and all things. That's what it means to be meek, and that's what it means to inherit the earth. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for today. God, I thank you for every single person in this room, every single person watching online. God, it is not by chance, it is not by uh, uh, happenstance that, that we are gathered here, that those who are here today hearing this message are here. God, it is because you have, have brought it about. God, that you have a plan, that you have a purpose, and God, that you are speaking to us, Lord, through your word today. God, help us, Lord, help us to not walk out of this place the same way we walked in. I pray right now, Lord, by your spirit, that you continue to show, to shine a light, Lord, in the areas of our heart, of our hearts, Lord God, in this place, where we have allowed sin to, to, to take residence. God, and when we recognize that, may we, as we've heard before in this Beatitude series, may we mourn over that. May we be disgusted, Lord, by the fact that, that we have this sin that lingers. But God, the beauty of that is once we find that, God, that, that you are but a breath away. God, you are standing there saying, let me come in, let me cleanse you from this unrighteousness. And if you make a mistake, to get back up again, to repent and to say, I'm turning away from it, to not do it anymore. God, help me, give me the strength. God, forgive us where we continue to put ourselves in situations we should never be in. Where we commit sins, Lord, against you and your body. God, we repent. God, may you birth a heart, Lord God, in this church, Lord, of repentance. God, as a response, Lord, may you, by your spirit, come and fill those places, Lord, with light and with goodness and your love. Thank you, Lord, for today. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity, Lord, to speak your word to your people. And God, may we truly be recognized as the meek, as those who are Christ-like, that we may truly inherit the earth, life eternal in all things. God, you've already given us all things that we need and even beyond through your son and in your son, Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name.